Yo, welcome back to the Keeping Stock Sneaker Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gray, and thanks for tuning in this week. Whether you're tuning in from last week's episode about Space Jam or the week before that with my interview with Rack, I appreciate you for hopping in today's episode, and it's going to be a fun and interesting one. I would say it's more interesting than Giannis wearing a pair of all-black Air Forces when his teammate PJ Tucker has probably spent close to a million dollars on sneakers. We dug down into the rabbit hole to look into the history of Slam Ball. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the episode and let's hop right into it. The year is 2002 and Nickelback's How You Remind Me is number one on the charts. Cable TV is at its prime and you turn on to Spike TV the man's channel, I guess, to see and watch one of the oddest sports since basketball. Over time, if you're listening, let's bring back basketball. But in all honesty, we're talking about slam ball. I'm sure as soon as I said slam ball, you have instant images coming back to the pre-HD, pre-1080p era. But what is slam ball? Basically, it was theorized as a full contact hybrid sport combining basketball, football, and gymnastics all in one under the format of a traditional basketball court. And the full contact portion, and if you remember the highlights, it often reminds me of basically your standard 24-hour LA fitness, the pickup games that are happening with those football players who swear they played basketball or could play basketball at any level, or maybe a little bit more aggressive full contact in these pickup games you're seeing, slam ball is perfect for them. The court was 100 feet by 62 feet with four 7 foot by 14 foot trampolines surrounded by plexiglass with players in full protective gear. So imagine taking a basketball game and putting yourself in football equipment or lightweight football equipment or even the lingerie football league equipment and then surrounding the court in plexiglass, and then deciding that dunks are worth three points and making it so achievable, you put four trampolines. And the goal here was to make the game exciting, fast-paced, tons of highlights. When we were growing up, everyone loved to put a hoop right next to a trampoline and try out these crazy tricks. That was before trampolines had to have nets around them if they were off the ground. One of the most dangerous pieces of sports equipment as a child besides the diving board but you'd put that hoop there and naturally it progressed to what is slam ball and I'm sure with these three-point dunks Giannis wished this was somewhat implemented into the league or to the finals as his three-point percentage would be off the chart if dunks were worth three points further in addition to while you're playing the game of basketball with these four trampolines and bouncing around and trying to dunk for three points fouls resulted in face-offs Basically, they're PKs. They are one-on-one, mano-a-mano, you versus the defender. So instead of free throws and them being worth one point, you're going to go for the dunk and get the point, which again, I'm sure Giannis would be stoked if we got rid of free throws and went straight to dunking or one-on-one scenarios to score. Even if there was a 10-second timeline, I'm sure his one-on-one is much faster than those free throws. Slam Ball was originally founded by Mason Gordon, in which he took this idea to TV executives, 
caught the buzz of the excitement, showed them the potential, trained a small group of individuals to put on an exhibition, and was off to the races. Slam Ball aired originally for two consecutive seasons, in 2002 and 2003 season, with 2.3 million viewers, which was more than a regular season baseball game at that point in time. Granted, there's a ton of baseball games, but 2.3 million views for a new sport that no one has heard of was definitely something that took the sports world and the entertainment world by notice. Slam Ball had been onto something. It was taking everyone's favorite highlights and turning them into easily quick-paced, fun and exciting games where you're seeing dudes lift 12 to 15 feet with the assistance of a trampoline, doing crazy tricks, adding a little strategy, throwing it off the backboard, getting blocked, the defender putting up amazing stoppages, going with the flow, and there was full checking. I mean, with the plexiglass around there in that hybrid sport, people were getting decleated all the time. And you can see why the appeal was there as people love watching the UFC unless you can't stand to watch someone's ankle break in a main event that you may have paid $80 for. But that excitement was there and it was fast paced. It wasn't the three or four hour long football game. These were quick basketball games. They tried to build that excitement in those first two seasons where the first season's team was actually coach by Ken Carter. And why does that name sound familiar? Well, that's Coach Carter, the famous movie, one of the greatest basketball films of all time, in my opinion. He led the Rumble to a slam ball championship. And so as you're seeing in 2002 and 2003, hitting 2.3 million viewers in a single game, that the hype is building. But what happened? It just simply disappeared. I remember watching these fast-paced games, watching these highlights as a kid, tuning into Spike TV, and seeing these superhero-esque plays being made in which Mason was trying to emulate with the style of plays, emulate these superhero-like capabilities through the use of assistance of trampolines and protective gear and, you know, this 100-foot by 62-foot court. In 2002-2003, you can't replicate slam ball, right? I can go to any park that has a hoop and I can easily go shoot around, shoot free throws, work on layup packages, work on ball handling. But for slam ball, I can't go to just any court on a Sunday afternoon. It's not going to have four trampolines, let alone four well-maintained and safe trampolines to practice on. Further, as an up-and-comer, Say you're a young, promising athlete who has some recruiting offers or has the potential to play in college, whether that is football or basketball. Are your parents going to let you play on these trampolines flying high through the air in full contact, full speed, growing up in one of your most vulnerable stages? You break a leg or injure a growth plate and that doesn't heal correctly? That is the rest of your life with that potential injury. In addition, I'm sure parents and their insurance weren't too happy about the potential of this slam ball cause. So you see, in the first place, besides these players that they had picked, how do you curate an up-and-coming generation if there's no access to these facilities? 
young and upcoming players are focusing on the traditional NBA, MLB, NFL routes, you don't have this crop of talent coming through like the NBA does. You're having to select and find people who are no longer pursuing that path and want to play slam ball. But further, you're also competing not with players who want to play in the United States, but players who want to try to play in Europe, Australia, Germany, Mexico, all of these flourishing overseas leagues. The global basketball world is rising rapidly and was at that time too. So it becomes more competitive to bring in the talent to slam ball. And further, if you aren't bringing in household names from college and that hype, how are you bringing in fans or loyalty? If there is no Kevin Durant or Luka Doncic or Trey Young coming into slam ball, they're all going to the NBA, what hype is being driven to the slam ball courts is one area that they struggled with. Could it be the simple fact that the TV networks wanted to take slam ball in another route? And in this case, early on through two seasons, that's the true choice. The TV networks wanted to take it another route. Yes, over time, the lack of talent, the difficulty in replicating in communities around the world may have been a challenge. But originally, those TV networks wanted to take it a more novelty route. You look at Slam Ball, it's not quite the NBA, it's not professional, it's not those household names. It is quick paced, it's made for entertainment, the rules have been changed, it's a short season, they would love to put it in between the NBA season and the NFL season, that little downtime. And so TV networks were looking at this as a way to replicate novelty like WWF or the Globetrotters, which I'll give Slam Ball credit here. They said, no, we don't want to do that. And honestly, I don't know how you would have scripted Slam Ball, right? You can do the Globetrotter thing and have them play, you know, the same team and have these adjusted outcomes, but it's a little bit more difficult in Slam Ball as you're mainly focusing on entertainment for dunks. So if at a certain point the other team just starts hucking up threes or starts missing dunks, it looks a little fishy and people are going to move on from there. However, I'm, there's enough talented writers to develop that full-scale drama arc like the WWE, WWF at the time, as we've seen in today's society with NBA 2K and the storylines they're building. Those writers could easily put something into slam ball and make those storylines and help create those fan arcs that people might be committed to, but it is a bit of a stretch. And I think it was just a little bit too early. Had Slam Ball been developed or gone live seven, eight years later in 2009, 10, 11, right when social media is picking up, it would be social media gold. There's tons of accounts that now that all they do is post highlights and dunks and these entertainment clips from professional sports like Overtime or House of Hoops, where Slam Ball is filled with these entertaining possibilities. And as the athletes got better, you probably got more exciting dunks and dunk packages. The games were short. It was when the NBA after the finals in that downtime, easy to share, easy to clip. I mean, as I was researching this episode, you can go back and look at all of the Slam ball top dunks and top games and top moments and they're exciting they are fun to watch and they'd be perfect 
if I was sitting courtside at my pickup game, waiting for the next game, waiting to rotate in, scrolling through social media and watching a two minute highlight of all of these dunks and all of these special moments and the strategy that comes to play and throwing it off the backboard, a very close representation of NBA Street, which they should bring back NBA Street. But in the focus of slam ball, there's a lot of possibility that could go on there. And honestly, I'm not sure why slam ball hasn't tried to position itself away from the TV networks and into its own hands on Twitch or YouTube live streaming or Facebook live providing and finding sponsors and providing that free content in those live streams, you'd gather a huge audience. I mean, their Facebook page has over a million followers currently. So there's a huge audience that wants to watch this, but it just happened a little bit too early in 2002 and 2003 when these clips weren't being shared and the internet wasn't what it was today. And the other hurdle that Slamball had to contest with, which it didn't see too much of in the early seasons, which was very surprising to me, was what everyone's been thinking. The injuries. What about the injuries? And at the professional level, they didn't see too many. There were some very graphic injuries of a snapped ankle and eyes almost being poked out. But for the most part, there weren't any major changing injuries that were occurring frequently. I could see though, you know, the sprained ankle starting to add up as you're becoming more competitive. These players are becoming more athletic. The field of talent you're accruing, the the system that these players are going through, the fatigue on these trampolines could result in an injury. I couldn't imagine if there was a LeBron James of the sport or a Curry or a Devin Booker playing and then they snapped their leg and we're done playing basketball, that could kill the steam for not only the viewers, but all potential players coming into play. However, after those first two seasons in 2002 and 2003, Slamball has been picked up and rebooted about five times. There was three times in the US, and then it's also been picked up twice in China for those on-TV network seasons. And now, if you've been to any major metropolitan area, or maybe your local area has these trampoline parks, which are very prominent and were very trendy, just like escape rooms were for a while, and they had the basketball hoops there, there's still YouTube houses and influencers going out to play slam ball one-on-one and having a blast. The demand is still there. And so I think they have the potential for slam ball to come back. I think maybe the strategy is a little bit different but it definitely holds a place in the culture. And, I mean, it makes so many fans across the world believe that white man can jump. Maybe even if we don't see it come back, it would be phenomenal to see that 30 for 30 on Slam Ball and some of the behind-the-scenes workings. And I've seen some of the Chinese clips and all of the different little things that happened because it definitely helped the basketball culture as a whole. Once again, you place it in today's era with social media not only highlighting highlights maybe they have interesting collaborations and are utilizing interesting sneakers i mean with how full hybrid and contact that this sport is it it sounds like the foam posit is the perfect sneaker for slam ball it's durable it's rugged it plays well on court it shines on the camera it could have been perfect could have collaborated had a special slam ball package it could have been 
another moment in sneakers. Or we could have the Bleacher Report kicks on court champion for the NBA, and then you could have one for Slam Ball. You could have all these fun opportunities being utilized. And there are definitely notable greatest Slam Ball players of all time. What does that necessarily mean if it was only two consecutive seasons? Just the most exciting player, the most dominant, the highest flyer, the most aggressive. And that was Stan Fletcher, widely regarded as the greatest slam ball player of all time in five seasons. There's highlights of him high flying, doing all of these acrobatics, creating new moves, helping the sport evolve. Definitely awesome to see. So it could make a comeback. I've said it once. I'll say it again. It could happen. And I don't see, once again, I'll call them out, overtime. If you aren't picking up and accepting my basketball offer, then slam ball's next. There's a hit on your hand. You guys just did a dodgeball tournament, and it was great. Now pick up slam ball. Do it locally. Do small snippets. You don't even have to do it in front of a live audience. It could be a hit. It could be millions of views on YouTube. If I had the money, I would invest in it, and I'd run it. Overtime has their elite high school league. Let's bring back slam ball. Let's do it. Let's have fun. It could be the perfect leeway in between the NBA and the NFL season. Because honestly, I think baseball is coming back, but for a while it's been dipping. But first, before all that happens, Slam Ball, if you're listening or anyone at Slam Ball is listening, you need to buy your domain name back for $2,500. I've checked a few different websites. I checked the most recent website, and it's up for sale for $2,500. So you might want to get that back, bring back the history. It is a piece of history in the basketball culture, and I hope to see it again. But I'd love to hear what you guys' thoughts are or your memories with Slam Ball, if you remember watching it as a teenager, as a kid, and what your impressions were. Or maybe if it should stay canned, maybe it was great for what it was, and now people should just stay away from it. Love to hear what your thoughts are. You can always go ahead and shoot me a tweet on Twitter, at JulianTheGray. That's down in the show notes below. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to hop into some interesting news from this week and upcoming sneaker releases this week was interesting since i last recorded the space jam episode i talked about the olympics and the usa basketball team granted they're only playing with about half of their roster the team chemistry is nowhere near the same as the 2008 team or the 2012 team or even the 2016 team for that matter It's all a bunch of new faces, which is great for USA Basketball, putting them on the grand stage. But they did lose to Mike Brown in Nigeria, 90-87 to in their first exhibition game. And then they lost to Australia, 91-83. to And there's no slight to Nigeria in Australia. And in all honesty, I think it is amazing to see those countries compete with USA Basketball. Granted, USA Basketball may be a little bit depleted, but overall, it's telling the story that Global is growing on the basketball stage in terms of talent. For a while, people would joke about the overseas leagues playing in Africa or Nigeria, J. Cole going to play in the Africa League or Australia and these pros who weren't quite able to make it in the NBA. But now we're seeing things are becoming more and more competitive every single year. And when you watch the Olympics, you want to watch the best athletes. And USA Basketball has the best athletes that accepted the offer. 
and you'd much rather watch them compete and have good games in this fast-paced FIBA ruled basketball games that's the other thing I enjoyed about watching these exhibitions was that the FIBA basketball rules make it so much of an easier viewing experience as a fan the constant complaining is down the flopping is down the odd unnatural three-point foul is non-existent great ball movement from these teams it's flowing it's in rhythm it's fun to watch and i know the nba is working on that this summer about the unnatural shooting motion for the three-point shot which i've never been a fan of as someone who enjoys defense both watching and playing the nba has made it damn near impossible to play great defense if the offensive player is initiating that type of contact and you're seeing these unnatural motions where you can't necessarily contest a shot because you don't know which way that offensive player is shooting themselves into you to get a foul. I get the safety and wanting to keep people healthy, but just take a look at what FIBA is doing. They're doing a great job. However, I still believe USA Basketball to win the gold medal. Teams depleted, they're still figuring out their chemistry. Sometimes it takes a good punch in the face to wake up. They're trying out different rotations. Some members of the select team were on there. We'll see how it goes, but I'm still pretty confident that the rhythm and flow for USA Basketball will click here once the Olympics come around. Let's check out this upcoming week's releases. (laughs) These are the new Jordans. That's it, huh? So for this week's releases, we're going to be looking at July 19th through July 25th. So my pick of the week is going to be the Nike LeBron 8 South Beach. Tried super hard for the shoe, missed out a couple times already, put in for a few raffles, both stateside and internationally. Hopefully I can scoop up a pair. If not, save up the money. In addition, on the 21st, we see the Clot Nike Air Max 1 KOD. Another collaboration with Clot. For me, I'm not much of an Air Max 1 guy, but those come out on the 20th. Then we get the Adidas ZX-10-8, the Candyverse. Kind of reminds me of The Simpsons and their recent release with the colorway. But that is the ZX-10-8 Candyverse on the 21st. We also see the FTC Nike SB Dunk Low. This is a stunning shoe. I think the subtle diamond quilted pattern that accents the shoe is a great touch. I like the yellow lining and the silver lace. I'm not going to be going for it, but I think it's a fun shoe. Uh, and one that a lot of people will enjoy and look back on this year um, as one of their personal favorites to come out. Then we get the Nike KD14 Sunset. I don't know what's happened to the KD line, but it seems like all hype has just dropped off. Kind of reminds me of Mellow and Jordan brand. You just don't hear about it too often. It maybe is that's because of the short season or because KD was injured, but you don't hear a whole lot about this model. It's just not too appealing on court or off the court. It's very bulky considering the other Nike models. Four low, the Nike Kyrie Four Low Sunrise that comes out on the 22nd, and then the Adidas Donovan Mitchell Issue 3 USA. Again, I don't know what Adidas basketball site is, but maybe with Jerry Lorenzo, they'll turn that around. You just don't hear anything for Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, James Harden. These superstars in their markets and superstars around the league not much buzz for Adidas. You even have Trey Young with his signature to see if maybe that helps boost a little bit all around in their ecosystem. But overall, 
not a lot of hype coming out of Adidas. We get the Reebok Question Low Phillies on July 23rd. This is a cool colorway. Uh, baby blue and burgundy on the toe in the low. Some Question fans will definitely love this. Curious to see what's happening at Reebok. I just feel like I see question after question after question, and I'm honestly just a little bit tired of it. But this is a cool colorway. Then we get the Nike Off-White Nike Air Zoom Tempo Next Percentage. I don't know what to say about these. I'm not my style. This is super modern street abstract streetwear, but these come in a black and green, a racer blue and pink glow, and then a white and solar red. Just not a common looking silhouette. I am sure like most of the other of this style, these may sit for a little bit and only drive up the hype for that 50 variant dunk pack, which I could care less about at this point in time. Then we also get the Nike KD14 multicolor, again, kind of bland. Then the Air Jordan 12 twist. <sighs> to be honest, an all white Jordan 12, I'm just reminded of the Jordan 12 Rising Sun, which will never retro for the right reasons, but it basically looks the same with just some red accents on it. And an all white Jordan seems very difficult to keep clean, especially with the way the leather on the 12s has been known to scuff in some scenarios on that toe guard. But that comes out on the 24th. And then we also see the Air Jordan 36, Jason Tatum PE. Obviously the 36 looking very similar to the 35, looks like a great on-court shoe. But that is all of this week's releases. As always, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I look forward to chatting with you over on Twitter. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll catch you next week.